It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours, like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Southern Gothic is a podcast that explores the history behind some of the American South's darkest days, greatest mysteries, and most chilling ghost stories. The town of Bath, North Carolina is no stranger to legends. Not only was this East Coast town once home to the infamous pirate Blackbeard, but some say that this one-time colonial capital was also cursed. Chartered in 1705 and located 50 miles off the Atlantic coast on the Pamlico Sound, Bath was North Carolina's first port. As such, it attracted ships from across the Atlantic and became a popular hub for trading. But all this prosperity that came with the commercial success also attracted people with more nefarious intentions, particularly pirates. Well, this eventually led that thriving little port town to earn quite the reputation. After all, You can imagine that those pirates knew how to drink and party, and they certainly had no intention of upholding any type of law or social norm. But eventually, this grew so out of hand that a traveling evangelist named George Whitfield came to town to preach his warnings of eternal damnation. What exactly happened when he got there is unknown, as some say he was stopped before he even entered Bath while others say he did get a chance to preach, but was ultimately forced out. Either way, before he took off, he made one final grandiose display. He removed his shoe and dusted off the dirt from the town, as is commanded in the gospel, and proclaimed loudly that the town of Bath forever be cursed. What exactly he said is unknown, but many believe that this is the reason why the Port of Bath never grew. And to this day, Bath itself has less than 400 residents. But as I said, it is no stranger to legends, as that pastor's curse is hardly the town's most infamous. 
just outside of town is a mysterious, seemingly supernatural landmark that has become central to one of North Carolina's most enduring legends. A tale that claims a wealthy landowner once made a deal with the devil. And all that remains are what we now know as the Hoofprints of Bath. My name is Brandon Schecksnyder, and you are listening to Southern Gothic. Just a little over three miles west of Bath, North Carolina, on Delia Wallace Road, lies a seemingly ordinary field that is home to a unique landmark which has puzzled folks for over two centuries. There are a series of small depressions in the ground known as the Bath Hoofprints and are often described as saucer-shaped, measuring roughly six to 10 inches wide with sides sloping down to a depth of only four or five inches. Resembling the hoof prints of a horse, some claim there are up to 13 of these distinctive depressions in the series. However, what truly sets the Bath hoof prints apart is not just their age, as they've sat there in that North Carolina field for centuries. It's also the fact that the depressions remain devoid of any grass, plant debris, or overgrown vegetation amid an otherwise lush landscape. The mystery of their origin continues to baffle and intrigue those who visit the enigmatic site. But if you ask locals how these hoofprints got there, they'll tell you straight up, it's because of the devil. According to legend, it all started with Jesse Elliott, a wealthy landowner known around town for not only being a bit reckless and crude, but also a bit of a drunk. Elliot had quite the passion for horse racing, and he was awful cocky about it, as he owned a fiery black stallion that was said to run like the wind. So one Sunday morning in 1813, Elliot tried to convince some of his friends to come out and join him in a race, but they refused. After all, it was Sunday, and they had to go to church. Unexpectedly, though, one man accepted his challenge, a tall gentleman who had just recently come to town. The man said that he had heard stories of Elliot's racing fame and knew of his black stallion's speed, and for that reason, he wanted to test his own mount against them. When he heard this, Jesse Elliott paused and eyed the man up and down before agreeing to the challenge. So the race was set to take place in exactly one hour, just enough time for Elliot to head home, prepare his horse, and of course, have a few drinks to get in the racing spirit. But when Elliot got home, his wife wasn't very happy to hear about his plans. Not only was he planning on skipping church that day, but he was gonna do it for horse racing. Undeterred, Elliot scoffed at her, insisting he would race on whatever day he wanted to. So his wife, 
fed up with his wicked ways, yelled right back at him as he rode off, I hope you're taken to hell this very day. Of course, Elliot did not look back. Then, when he arrived at the designated location for the race, Elliot's assuredness seemed to slip away for a brief moment when he saw the stranger in his horse. While his own black stallion was large and fierce, the stranger's was even larger, and that gentleman he had challenged looked more intimidating than Elliot remembered as he eyed him up there in that saddle, dressed in all black, with fire burning in his eyes. Yet Elliot's confidence didn't sway for long. His competitive side kicked into high gear as they lined up for their race, and as soon as the pair took off galloping toward the finish line, he screamed at his stallion, take me a winner or take me to hell. The horse charged forward, spurred on by Elliot, and they took an easy lead against the stranger, maintaining it for quite some time. Though the stranger and his horse seemed fierce, they didn't seem to be all that great of racers, wagging behind for almost an entire horse length for the bulk of the race. But as soon as the men neared the finish line, everything changed in an instant. The stranger jumped forward with a giant burst of speed and spooking his horse, who then dug his feet into the ground to stop with such ferocity that Elliot was violently thrown out of his saddle into a tree where he was killed instantly. The stranger then laughed at Elliot's fate before he turned and rode away. But according to legend, he didn't leave alone. Jesse Elliot's soul rode behind him as this man was the devil, and he was taking Elliot with him back to hell. As for the hoof prints that were made by his horse, well, these are what folks believe are the depressions in the ground that can still be seen today. The infamous spots where nothing can grow, a reminder of the fate that awaits those who behave wickedly. Interestingly, the legend of Jesse Elliott and what has become known as the Hoofprints of Bath dates back at least to as early as 1888 when it was included in a local newspaper article. And surprisingly, the story has remained relatively consistent ever since. But there's one aspect to it that most modern tellings leave out, the tree that Elliott struck on that fateful day in an article titled, A Remarkable Tree, Truth Stranger Than Fiction, The Supernatural in Beaufort County, the Chatham Record wrote, Depine is situated on a small and seldom used cart path, branching off from a neighborhood road leading into the main road before alluded to, about a hundred yards from the road and exactly in the center of the cart path. So that standing in the road and looking down the cart path, the first thing you see is this pine and carts traveling the path have to go around it. The tree is sound, healthy, and perfectly green, except upon the southwest side, 
where there is a seam running from the ground to the extreme top, about one foot wide, that is dead. The tree is nowhere else affected. On the ground near the tree, to be seen plainly and distinctly, the imprint of a horse's feet, such as a horse would make on being sorely frightened. Of course, this long, strange dead streak on that old pine tree is where Elliot purportedly struck his head. And according to the paper, quote, there's also a cross mark on the tree where it is said could be seen for a long time, blood and particles of the man's hair. But eeriest of all is that the Chatham record claims a number of men have tried to cut the tree down during the 50-plus years following Elliot's death, yet not a single one was successful. A fact that they say might mean it was meant to serve as a supernatural, quote, example and warning to Sabbath-breakers and evildoers. But while this infamous tree might have survived till 1888, it didn't last forever. In 1925, Raleigh's paper, The News and Observer, stated that only the stump of the tree is still standing, a, quote, unique monument that marks the spot where a rich landowner met his death during the early part of the 18th century. All around its base, vegetation refuses to grow. The hoof prints of the horse are still visible. They have been plowed up. They have been leveled even with the ground. But as soon as the ground settle, the hoof prints appear again. Hundreds of visitors have been to it and have seen the prints for themselves. With each passing year, the tree stump clearly became less and less noticeable. So eventually, as you can expect, folks just stopped including it in the story. And even though it was the tree that ultimately killed Jesse Elliott, it is the footprints that continue to intrigue people to this very day. We'll dig deeper into what has become one of North Carolina's most often told pieces of folklore, including Elliott's descendants' versions of the tale, and more after the break. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. 
We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. For over 200 years, the mysterious set of hoof prints in Bath, North Carolina, has captured the imagination of locals. And while the story of the events that caused them has remained fairly consistent, there's one particular part that seems to vary depending on who tells the tale. It's the identity of that mysterious stranger. The most popular modern version, as I told you, claims that Elliot's competitor was the devil himself. A man dressed in black with fiery red eyes and a large, intimidating black stallion. Yet other, earlier versions say that the act of racing on a Sunday was wicked enough to cause Elliot's death, no matter who he was racing against, claiming that Elliot was merely competing with a friend and was thrown from the horse when he turned to look behind him, not realizing that there was a tree directly in his path. Notably, in this version, his competitor doesn't stay and laugh at his misfortune, but rather speeds off to get help. And then when he returned, he discovered that both Jesse Elliott's body and his large black stallion are gone. When the devil himself became a part of the legend is unknown. But when prolific folklorist Nancy Roberts included this story in her 1991 book, North Carolina Ghosts and Legends, the devil was not directly involved. What makes Robert's telling so interesting is that her source was Ed Cutler, a gentleman whose family has owned the property in question for over a century and a half. This alley, what I always heard, must have been a pretty high-living, reckless sort. On this particular Sunday, a crowd of them was down at the creek, readying their horses and talking about what each could do. Elliot jumped on his horse and started down the racing lane, galloping like fury. Take me in a winter, take me to hell, he shouted to his horse. I had no more than said it till the animal leaped in the air, got her hooves in the dirt, and threw him slam against the side of a big pine. When I was a child, we'd pull up grass and take bark and put it in the prints on our way home from school. Next morning, bed be just as clean as can be. One time, my uncle carried corn out there. He called his hogs and threw the corn all around and in the tracks. You know, they wouldn't touch the corn that fell in those hoof marks. I say his death was a warning to people not to make such heavy impressions. Whether or not this is the true origin of the tale is unknown, but one can understand why it's so memorable as a lesson for men who don't honor the Sabbath.
course, these religious overtones have diminished in modern retellings compared to earlier ones. In fact, a 1925 version didn't even include a race at all. Instead, it said Jesse Elliott was just riding his horse back and forth in front of church, cursing God, the church, and everything else. Well, in doing so, the service was stopped and folks poured out to see what was going on. It was then, as Elliot attempted to ride away, that his horse shied, hitting a tree and killing both itself and the man on its back. Now, as exciting as the story of a supposed race with the devil may be, there's one final version of Jesse Elliot's death that needs to be taken into account, the one told by his family. In September of 1946, journalist and folklorist John Harden did a radio broadcast called The Strange Hoof Marks at Bath. In response, he received a letter from one of Jesse Elliott's descendants describing what his family had always believed happened on that day. Harden included this response in his 1949 book, The Devil's Tramping Ground and Other North Carolina Mystery Stories. According to the family, Elliot did indeed have a fast and spirited horse, but it wasn't a large black stallion. It was a beautiful bay mare. And while Jesse Elliot did in fact die in 1813, not only did it not take place on a Sunday, but it also didn't happen while he was racing. Elliot was actually giving his horse a good workout in preparation for an upcoming race that was set to occur a few weeks later, one that was held annually on January 6th. They told Harden that it was actually late in the afternoon on Christmas Eve when Elliot was running his horse at full speed along the woods and his horse became frightened, pitching to the side and stopping abruptly, throwing their ancestor head first into that infamous pine tree. Tragically, his head was said to have struck the tree with such a force that it split his skull, killing him instantly. So it turns out that Jesse Elliott's death might not have had anything to do with a race against the devil after all. And it's possible that he might not have even broken the Sabbath, as his family claims that he died on a Friday. Yet the mystery of the hoofprints of Bath remains. As claimed in the story, the prints were made in 1813 when Elliot's horse dug its feet into the soft ground, and in the centuries since, they've persisted even through the heaviest rains and muddiest winters. Reportedly, like the base of the tree that Elliot hit, the depressions have no vegetations growing within them, despite the fact that they are located at the edge of a forested area. And some folks, like old Ed Cutler, even claim that animals refuse to step on the prints or eat any type of food left on them. In addition, the depressions have survived every man-made attempt to alter their appearance by leveling the ground or throwing debris into them. Scientists have reportedly conducted studies on the site in an effort to provide an objective explanation, but a definitive answer has yet to be determined. 
One theory is that they're actually natural vents for subterranean water pockets or the result of salt veins beneath the surface. Another is that the earth in the area contains excess soluble rock, like salt or lime. As this rock dissolves beneath the surface, it would cause the depressions. And over time, the water flowing into the depressions could suction soil or debris into the earth. While this sounds reasonable, it unfortunately fails to provide an explanation as to why the depressions remain the size that they are today. While the true origin of the Hoofprints of Bath might never be known, the legend continues to be one of North Carolina's most enduring tales of the supernatural. After all, to this very day, folks can still wander out there and see those infamous marks for themselves. Over two centuries since Jesse Elliott purportedly screamed, take me in a winter or take me to hell. My name is Brandon Schecksneider, and you are listening to Southern Gothic. Southern Gothic is an independent podcast produced by siblings Brianne and Brandon Schecksneider. If you're a fan of the show and would like more content, be sure to join us over on Patreon or become a premium subscriber on the Apple Podcast app. There, you'll receive access to both ad-free and monthly bonus episodes. For more info on Southern Gothic, be sure to visit southerngothicmedia.com today. And as always, thanks for listening. Lucky Lady Shacks. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello. My name is Matt, host of the Pirate History Podcast. Pirates rank among the most mythologized and romanticized of all historical figures. It can become easy to forget that pirates were real people that had real-world concerns. If you like tales of high seas adventure, daring do, and also want to learn more about who Blackbeard supported to be king, you can learn more about all of that at the Pirate History Podcast.